0: How's the how's do you want a, a closer background rather than a table? What would you prefer? I've I literally just plonked myself down with three drinks. I've got coffee, plain water, and lemon water, just in case.
1: What's the difference between the regular water and the lemon water?
2: Well, one has lemon indicator. <laughs>
1: well, other than, <laughs> other
0: than the obvious whip. The lemon water is hot. Gotcha. They all do different lubrications.
1: <laughs> welcome, everyone, back to the Miss Art World podcast. I am your host, Catherine. I am my co host here with me, Samuel Cooksey with Samuel Cooksey Project. Uh, welcome, Samuel.
2: Howdy, everybody.
1: Great, Uh, like, (laughs) and then we have a super special guest today. I'm really excited to talk to her. It is Katie from, is it, is your whole thing? Welcome to the bright side. That's your whole,
0: whole thing. Welcome to the bright side. Welcome to the bright side. And I have kind of two, like two different entities, actually probably three different entities offer that. So I've got Miss Brightside, which is my fine art practice. And then um, I then I steal the bright side and then I become Katie Brightside. I don't know who I'm called. I'm kind of everybody.
1: (laughs) And you are a world traveler. Um, I was listening to you have a couple podcasts on your website, which was really helpful. And they went into kind of where you started and where you travel to and how you came to Hollywood, which is a very interesting story that um, I, if you could share with us, that would be great.
0: Well, it was a, a kind of like, if I can kind of sum it up in a, like my short space of time, um, I went to university and my first job out of university was working for the United Colors of Benetton in Italy. Mm-hmm. So as a 21 year old, I arrived in Italy, not being able to speak Italian. I realized quite soon that I couldn't, get very far in my fashion career without being good at Italian so I decided to move countries to an English-speaking country because yeah I'm lazy um I didn't want to put the hard work in and um and then arrived in Australia and then after 10 years of living in Australia I realized it was one of those places I mean there's a, a band called Jet and they had to come to America to make it big before they were accepted back in Australia. So I kind of had the same philosophy. So I went back to the UK um, after being like estranged for 11 years, um, did my master's in fine arts, dabbled in uh, the South of France for about nine months and then um, I moved to America. So, and I moved to uh, Los Angeles in particular because by this point I've, lived in three countries and I was like, decided to speak to a white witch who does natal chart readings to say where I would be happy. And she said, Ethiopia or the West Coast of America. So um, because I've been working in the realms of Hollywood and the female identity, that was kind of like, I'm gonna move to LA. And I didn't know anyone. I arrived in West Hollywood and had a glorious, first morning met a guy got a job it was like it was like the you know American dream crazy it was great
2: well, you got a job the first morning yeah have it set up already or no. are you walking up the street and he was like you <laughs> you're gonna
0: I just I just I just met then my Airbnb host um had a connection and I became friends with that interior designer and I got worked straight away Which basically formed Welcome to the Bright Side. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I guess what I'm saying is the white witch that I consulted was completely right because I've never had it that fluky before. You know, I've arrived when I arrived in Australia, I didn't have a job and I got a job within about 10 days. So, I mean, I'm used to being on the back foot and running forward, but I didn't expect meeting a guy building a company on my first day.
2: Yeah where what's the name of the white witch because I need to go talk to her
0: (laughs) um her name is Deb and I can give you her details she's amazing she's amazing every time I've done anything in my in my life I've always said like hey Deb what do you think about this Mm -hmm. she always gives good advice did you know Deb
1: beforehand or were you like hey I want to speak to someone about my life and just randomly found her
0: no, I had been working with her for about 10 years. Okay. An old old colleague of mine, um, uh, they were sister-in-laws. So I uh, at once I knew that this, this amazing woman could read your future from these, like you, you basically give over your date of birth, the time that you were born and where you were born. And it was like, she read me in two seconds from the chart. It was quite amazing. Wow. And, And I think that's quite important. And I think that's why we often seek outside advice like that, because we want someone to understand us, Or, you know, or we often make art so that we can understand ourselves within a situation. But yes, I do do like my Deb.
2: What's your favorite uh, style of art?
0: My favorite style of art? Yeah, Um,
2: because on your, like, Instagram, you have a bunch of, different medians that you use
0: yeah my my instagram's kind of deceiving that's my instagram's more of what i make money from um, <laughs> because if, if if i don't know whether you get into these conversations quite a lot but between the artist and the designer um i would say my instagram's more of the designer artist version of myself um and my fine art practice is so bizarre I think they would shut down my Instagram account in two seconds (laughs) do you have a place
1: where your uh fine art practice lives do you have yes okay
0: yes it's 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 katiebrightside.com and that's and that's the miss Brightside. part.
1: do you does your designer life and your fine art life ever mix in together Do you, does it overlap or is it very much um, separated
0: I Initially, I would have said years ago it would have been separated. So I trained as a fashion designer um, and worked in that field for 15 years and then went back and did um, my master's in fine art in which they completely deconstructed me. Um, And I'd kind of gone in with this illustrated portfolio um, uh, with a performance aspect. And then all of a sudden I just started sewing again. And I thought I'd like my fashion dates were done. And so by the mere sewing of the masks that I make, so I I make the, some of the body of work is about identity and an identity within relationships. Um, So I make wolf masks that represent ex lovers. And there is just this bonkers practice and it's something that I wouldn't necessarily make money from at this stage. It's great to exhibit, great to put, um, uh, you know, it looks great on the website, but it's just very difficult to sell at this point. So. Um, I arrive here with these bags of masks, thinking in in a, in the US, thinking that I'm going to be this amazing fine artist, and you know everything's magic's going to happen, and I'm going to I'm going to meet Paul McCarthy, which I did in like about a week. My manifestation was super cool, um, and yeah, I realized I couldn't make you know it. It's going to take a lot longer than just arriving. So the design practice happened from taking the story and the narrative and then i'm trying to bring that across so it's the two of them now so i try to bring um the power of storytelling to the artwork so it's more than just a picture
2: Mm -hmm.
0: or something designed for a particular thing
2: so with the mask you said that it's it's from ex-lovers Mm-hmm. Is it from the person that you're you're making the mask for, or is it yours, or is it a
0: combination of both? It's um, the mask. I well, I'm collecting them. So there's, um, I'm, I'm hoping to have a retrospective before, <laughs> so that there, it will be a huge body of work, and I make them in reflection of those relationships and. Okay. I kind of uh, write a piece of poetry that goes with them too.
2: So if uh, if I asked you, would do you mind reading a, po- a piece of poetry with it? Do you have yeah, it on- sure. What about the one, you have the mask uh, with the tie? Uh, you have the-
0: I, the- I haven't written the poem about
2: that one yet. Oh, did I pick the one? I'm,
0: that- I'm, I'm sometimes a little bit behind the curve ball
2: um what about the one with the uh it's a kind of looks wolf-like but also it's very white kind of a abominable snowman
0: don't have his I have the one next to it the one with the USA on it which was from from a Bruce Springsteen concert
2: oh nice so
0: he took me to a Bruce Springsteen concert and that was one of the the things that he bought me and so I start like putting elements of the clothing and things that they have bought me into these masks. Oh, cool. Um, and they're all made from uh, like childhood development fabrics. So um, like they're a, like a plushy type thing. So um, if you look into childhood, to childhood development theories, um, when a child screams for the, for the toy, the soft toy, it's orgasmic and so there's that context that's thrown into my masks as well okay i need to find the poem <laughs> this one's called the wolves that venture out of the woods see if i can find it
2: because you're right like i was kind of thumbing through before we were talking i was going through your other side and uh It's, you're completely right. There's one side that's uh, different than your art side. Yeah. I was was looking at the, um, like, welcome to the bright side and kind of that and like listening to some of the things you have on there, going through the Instagram. But if you go to uh, katiebrightside.com, you definitely see more like art. I think what people are normally traditionally thinking of art
0: so what would you say is more traditional the 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 final practice or the design
2: the fine art like uh um,
0: yeah
2: when i saw well, this i was like oh this is like i don't know it speaks to me more than the design because the pictures you have on here are like are really interesting you have like a couple where the girls on the they have the mask on and they're kind of like crawling through different uh like ones going through a bed um one of the pictures i really like a lot um, is like one of your first ones called Whole. And it's the girl almost yeah. like was a clown, uh, a mime face. I would say not a clown, but more of a mime face on. And um, yeah, it, it's very interesting.
1: Well, and I think, um, Samuel, you have been, how do I say this? You are used to kind of performative, conceptual, artwork whereas I think a lot of people who aren't used to weird art would say that your um, other site with your wallpaper designs and illustrations
0: Mm.
1: are more typical art but I I agree with Samuel like your site with all of your fine artwork is definitely
0: uh, I mean it's like I'm bipolar I mean essentially I mean they're completely two entities of myself Mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting context within itself. Like, you know, what is right and what is wrong? Um, I, you know, as you explained to the two of you, actually just at the beginning of the podcast, you know, Samuel is for here for to make those questions. That would, you would be then my design site and Catherine would be my art site. So mm-hmm. it's just like, I'm, I know I'm not palatable is katiebrightside.com. Uh, to the masses, and that's just gonna take a lot of work to kind of bring that uh, into fruition. Um, and, and, and because it's so personal, um, you know, you also, as a, a, a development, you have to get yourself into a state to be prepared for the, the knockdowns that come with being so personal. Mm-hmm. So I guess in, in, I'm in a building stage that my uh, I'm evolving to be able to cope with the backlash that comes with that, um, you know, because I'm basically making artwork about sleeping with men and I'm documenting them as trophies, um, which is, uh, you know, it's kind of, yeah, um, a bit out there. <laughs> Not for all mothers. I'm still trying to find the poem. <laughs>
2: Um, so did when I'm looking at the picture with uh, the girl with the curlers in her hair and she has uh, nice jewelry on and then she has the white face. Is it when you were doing that, was it supposed to the white face be more mime-like or more clown like? Because to me I, it looks more mime, like she's has to be quiet or like
0: silent. There's there's a video that goes with that, those oh, pictures. There is. Um, and it's called Car Wash, and I have a friend who has been a daytime actor for many years, and he was saying that the five o'clock in the morning um, ritual is called the car wash, where you get in the chair, you have your makeup done, and it's just kind of this rigmarole of daily, Um, and I had been working with two identities, uh, uh, Marilyn Monroe and Snow White, Um, so you've got the fictional purity and the over-sexualized female. So my character is a combination of those two leaning towards Marilyn a lot more, um, but definitely with the vulnerability of Snow White. So the car wash is, um, the the film is three songs about a woman getting ready for a date. Uh, And uh, she's putting her makeup onto camera. And then you see her emotions go through the three different songs. Um, and I actually use an, uh, Someday My Prince Will Come as the last song, I think, is it the last song? One of the last songs, but you, you, you get the, the whole point. And then those are just stills of the makeup and it's part of a larger body. I mean, they get quite self-destructive in the movie. I think I kind of claw at my face.
1: Would you consider that part of your performative um, aspects of your fine artwork? Because I know that you have done performance. Is that kind of how you would say is your performance art or is that video artwork to you?
0: Yeah, that's that's a difficult question. I mean, um, I performed to camera a bit like Cindy Sherman. Um, so with, there's that, that kind of, the audience is this fake um, and you don't know how many people are gonna see it. I really actually struggle, I know that you do performance work and you do it exceptionally well. I struggle letting my guard down and I struggle, am I performing or am I being real? And I guess you can take that back into the mask work that I make, you know, I make these works and I put all these different masks, all my face is painted. So I'm hiding behind stuff, but I really struggle in the performance space Mm live. How do you get beyond that?
1: Um, I think I have that same struggle in performance art if I'm have to be vocal. Um, And Samuel and I have talked about this before, but we grew up um, as mimes, like my dad trained us as this like mime family, (laughs) and we would go perform all over the place for huge crowds. And so if I don't have to speak, I'm so comfortable. But once I'm forced to open up my mouth and say something, it's uh, a whole nother form of anxiety that um i struggle with and i need to put that more into my performance art because like you were saying where it becomes more real like who you are um if i'm forced to talk i feel like that's showing myself too much whereas if i'm just performing without speaking i am I can hide behind that. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, as
2: you, as uh, Katie was saying, um, she's talking about the mask is the mask being you or not. I think uh, Catherine, you associate being quiet with a mime face so you can hide behind, you know,
0: that is my mask. (laughs) mask. Yeah that's so fascinating your childhood sounds amazing it was (laughs) it was, it was fun
1: um and I I tend to be very shy so I think that really helped me be able to perform um without that I don't know if I would have been able to be a performance artist
0: yeah I mean, I, I always think about like just to quickly change the subject about the the um, the silent movies and the transition between the silence and the uh, the speakies, um, and you know some actresses just didn't make it, and that's quite interesting that kind of changeover because obviously their voice or whether they got dubbed and you know um, I yeah I just. I'm still trying to figure that. I don't know, even know when I'm on camera, I'm still being authentic. And in my personal life, I'm trying to live, uh, I'm trying to live one stable person, if I can possibly be, and not be, not try and change to different circumstances. Um, and I guess that's why I started working with masks to try and figure out all these different identities. And when I'm putting on, you know, if a cute guy walks in, am I like, you know, like a bit more uh, uh, flavorsome? Oh my, well, what am I doing? How am I behaving? So, it, cause at the end of the day, we only have our most authentic self so if we could be that all the time we would be probably maybe more successful in different areas of our life so i don't know how i can transition that to film just yet i think with car wash because the 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 film was so focused on my face um I'm trying I think that's probably my most successful video piece but um, I'm still trying to work with that and trying to be at one with the camera but then as for putting an audience in front of that I think I would completely freak out
2: <laughs> do you think that the the mask itself is just like a piece of you that's um, more like loud is it kind of makes the other parts of you quiet. And then that one piece that you're showing with the mask is more vibrant. So maybe that's why it doesn't feel like it's necessarily you.
0: I think that too. And I think they can also be violent too. I think, you know, we all try and hide our anger and frustrations. And I think that can come out in those masks too, Mm -hmm. that we don't necessarily, um, they're definitely all reflections of me and like, how I felt in those relationships, how that person, they're not necessarily, I'm not being evil towards that person at all or being malicious or trying to hurt that person. i am it, It's its just, I'm leaving a piece of me behind or I'm reflecting on a piece of me that no longer serves me or, or maybe I found something in that relationship that I also want to celebrate. So uh, they're definitely an evolution, I mean, some of the recent masks are really insane, and they're not on the website yet. But they're just they're, they're vulgar. Um, that they, you know, again, they started off naive. You know, like the the if you're looking at the trophies piece, the one at the top, you know, he's very sweet and very small and adorable. And then they start becoming as you know disillusioned and.
2: <laughs> so you're a lot of times um, the 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 female in the pictures is wearing the wolf mask. Is it the mask they put on to attract that male? Or is it showing more of a the the male is forcing that female to be what they're looking for?
0: Oh I like I like those questions um i think you'll find that they are me being the the wolf i'm the wolf you know and again that's the evolution from um snow white to marilyn you know she's definitely a wolf she wolf Mm -hmm. so um
2: so then you are the one hunting the man in in this so then it's you um taking on the persona that that wolf wants in order to get your prey.
0: You could say that. Okay. <laughs> you could say that. Um, I, I, the, the, this is where the, then the design comes back in. I did a piece for the Farmers Daughter Hotel um, for their restaurant. And I did uh, a male and female mural scale wallpaper. And I decided to write a poem that reflected two sides of uh, a persona of a woman and the female restroom is this really uh, cutesy teacup picture perfect but you start to see like um, some handcuffs and some naughty aspects in that wallpaper and then when you go into the male restroom it's like Full on crazy it's there's um there's a naked a man wolf running around um there are underwear left all over the the forest so there's pants sunny side up there's garters hung on things so going back to the question that you asked earlier um there are some projects that I get to really bring my fine art practice to places. But what's great about the hotel, The Farmer's Daughter, is that used to be a rent by the hour motel. So I could draw on the history of this naughtiness and, you know, uh, prowessness and really sing that from my point of view. But the poem's quite, quite fun. I haven't found that one either, okay. but yeah. Um, and it really goes into about um, a breakdown of a relationship and how uh, depressed uh, one can feel when they are not being liberated by one's partner and how the the wolf, me, is looking outside and seeing other wolves run around and wants to go and fallock in the forest with them.
2: <laughs> and that's a wallpaper you said?
0: Uh, yes, yeah, two wallpapers. So that will be on uh, welcome to the bright under the farmer's daughter, and you'll see the two of those.
2: Okay. How do you create wallpaper? Do you do it on the computer and then like blow it up? Like, I have no idea how you'd even start.
0: Um, uh, again, uh, the, the person that I found my first day, um, gave, that was my first, no, that was my second job in LA. Um, I had never done it before. So I was like, how do I do this? Um, Obviously you measure uh, the scale of the walls that you need to do. Um, My file ends up being the scale of the wraparound of the walls or unless it's a a repeat. Um, And then I just illustrate things either in hand. Um, I, my style with my design stuff is there's handle whimsical hand drawings and then strong vector art. So you've got this cross between these two things, which is definitely something that's been in my work for a long time. So, and then I scan it in and then I send it to the printer and they print it out and then an installer puts it up. Ta-da.
2: So could someone buy your actual wallpaper if they wanted to put it up somewhere?
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, that's awesome.
1: And what's interesting about your wallpaper um and it's on your instagram and i think you have it on your youtube it's all hand drawn it's not so she every piece of it she does by hand which i i in my head i was thinking that you would do it on the computer um so i think it's super impressive that you're doing everything by hand yeah and you talked a little bit about why you liked wallpaper so much Um, and it was something to do with your mom?
0: Yes, yeah, no, um, I don't know whether it was the same in America as it was in England, but like this whole home renovation used to happen, like even if you didn't have money, just every couple of years, they'd slowly move around a different area of the house. So like, you know, in 1984, it would be the kitchen. In 1985, it would be the lounge. In 1986, it would be the study space. And each, every time we would go around, you know, wallpaper was quite, I'm sure my age was quite famous in the '80s. Like in seven, well, it, it launched on from the '70s. Was the pinnacle of wallpaper. Everything was wallpapered. My installer says that during the '70s, um, people were wallpapering cupboards, doors, like everything. Like it was just kind of, and you can start actually seeing that come back. Actually, is a big fashion right now. But going back to my mum, we'd go to the DIY centre and we'd be looking at wallpapers and what my mum was trying to look for. And this is really clever. She's uh, an accountant, so she counts things um, in relation to design, which you know you wouldn't necessarily think she was creative, but she's super creative. So you'd be looking and like the bowl of cherries, for instance, and where that bowl of cherries repeats on the wallpaper. And obviously home phones back then were on a lead. And so if she sat in the kitchen on the phone, she doesn't want to sit there talking to Auntie Keris, counting where the cherries are. She needs them to be as far as part as they possibly can. So I was taught from a young age to look for the most intricate wallpapers, weird. Yeah. so we'd be going around like going, oh no no that one the repeat on that is terrible oh no that one's a really good one the cherries are in the right place for that it's a step repeat so that's another thing that in my wallpapers I try and make super complicated for the repeats so that no one could ever get bored
2: mm-hmm. Well, wow, that's awesome so so your mom kind of created you doing wallpaper at least a skill to make these really awesome wallpaper pieces yeah
0: and, and the thing is, that, that didn't the penny didn't sync with that until like five years into making wallpapers. It's just like, oh, okay. It was, I mean, it was a conversation like this I was having with someone. And then, mm-hmm. then I realized, oh, she's a genius. She kind of stuck it in my subconscious somewhere.
2: Now, Katie said you do it by hand. Does that mean you just take a picture in the, or you scan it in? Or like, how does that?
0: Um, yeah, scan it in. Um, uh, I, so my process is like, um, I draw, draw, say the butterfly, I scan the butterfly in, I print the butterfly out, I watercolour it up, scan it back in, and then place it in uh, with Photoshop. Oh, okay. Sorry. That's pretty much, in a nutshell, how I work. Um, and then I will do vector drawings. So I will then redraw my vector drawings. So on one of the, the recent uh, mural scale ones, uh, there's a skull in it that took me a week to redraw on vector, because I draw all my mistakes in from my hand drawings so that oh. they don't necessarily look like vector art. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with vector art in particular. It's just, to me, it's quite
2: Solless. predictable.
0: It's <laughs> Well I
2: like uh, with one thing I like with art a lot of times is the mis- the mistakes in it. Mm. It really shows especially when an artist leaves it in there. It's them going through and building upon what they're drawing or what they're painting mm. and doing things like that. Just like performance pieces, uh, when you go and see performance pieces, the performance is almost always different because they're not putting on a play. It's a piece of art and art mm change or speak differently depending on who's watching it. And it's, you know, a part of the artist, not necessarily the people in the performance. Mm.
1: Going back to your fine art practice, would you say that the uh, masks are the most current series and is it ongoing? Are you still creating masks as you find lovers and, do your lovers know that you create masks? I don't know if it's
0: during or after the relationships ends. I don't know how that goes. I, I kind of I give them the heads up before anything happens. Like, hey, you do realize I'm going to document you in this? And they're like, they don't really understand. And then they're kind of quite proud. And then they just hate me for it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. um, the, this, I mean, the ultimate goal is to meet a guy I want to keep. So I, I it's not like I'm just collecting them just to to, to <laughs> it is to kind of cement, which is why I joke about having the retrospective so. You know, you find the husband. The series ends, and then you know it's like with your with your work. You know, it's like it's wonderful to watch you evolve, being a mom and your work change as your body changes, as the different view and perspective of what a mother should be. It's wonderful to see that. Like I, I hope to kind of assimilate that into mine as I meet my husband, and have a child, and like how does that look? Um, but. I mean, I I can only work with the tools that I have right now and what I'm trying to understand. And it's about living as a liberated woman with equal rights today. And I'm not um, promoting feminism. That's not my cause. I'm just trying to understand being a female um, and wanting uh, to be treated as an equal sexually as a male. And it's still not that's far beyond, there's a lot of um, And I've ended up working over the years with um, groups, like male groups that are working in the area of being more successful with women. So kind of the dating scene. So I've kind of watched it from the other field because I didn't want to just be a woman making this story. I also want to understand the men's situation and, you know, Fifteen years ago, I read Neil Strauss's "The Game," and then I reverse psychologically worked the game, um, if you possibly can, and, and de- con- you know deconstructed that and went on like two hundred dates in a year and was you know it, that's where it, it, it happened in my personal life, which is really funny how my works ended up going that way. And then the work with the male group was quite. As an eye know I don't I don't want to alienate
1: men it's nice that you're interested in uh understanding the male perspective Mm -hmm. that is a very interesting aspect of how you're approaching this uh concept
0: well and and often we you know and it's trying to understand what love is not just sex but what love is and you know um I'm at a point where love to me is a reflection of how the other person makes me feel. In fact, it's almost that the other person is not even important. So I can't love someone else unless I love myself. So um, yeah, I'm just broadening, but then how do you reflect that back in work? You know, it's, it's, I'm learning by doing.
2: It's like uh, I have a question about the Rainbow Party mail, two thousand seventeen. What gay? Uh, what made you come up with the Rainbow Party? So, can you explain the piece for the people that won't or can't see it since they're not next to a computer?
0: <laughs> um. It was actually, you know, the LA Arts Association, they were doing a, a call out for queer arts. Um, and uh, uh, just for their, their, their annual exhibition. Um, and because I'd been working in the realm of plushies with the, um, you know, the masks and the materiality, I thought um, I would make a uh, penis and boob flags. That were in the LGBT colour range. So they literally are in the spectrum of again the LGBTQ flag is primary and secondary. So again, childhood colorization. Um, so each, I think there's 36 boobs and 36 penises. The penises rattle and the boobs squeak. So oh, if you sure. were <laughs> Um and they're hung using um spreader bars that I bought from the pleasure chest. So um again using sexual instruments to hang those flags. Um
2: I ask a quick question, what's a spreader bar? I actually have
0: I think I think you uh, I, for the for the people that aren't uh, are only listening to this, I'm going to do my best way, but I'm kind of actioning it out at the same time. I think the spreader bar is you you get you get handcuffed or you get gripped to the spreader bar, and you go round. You you have to have your arms apart at the whole point all the time. Okay. If you've ever watched the set, is it the Secretary with uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal? she wears one and she's got like a, a gag in her mouth. He makes her walk around the office space, but it's supposed to be debilitating that you can't, you basically can't use your hands. Hmm. Cause it's like, a,
1: it's like a rod, right? Yeah.
2: yeah. Just, to me, it just looked like something that you hang up. I didn't actually catch that it was uh, something sexual until you said it with the- uh, Yeah,
0: so, and, and, and I kind of like using those things in the work that you wouldn't necessarily assume, but then don't forget sexual hardware has actually just come out of hardware. It's just got repackaged and repurposed so that it can be used in the bedroom scenario. So, you know, in the old days, they would just go to a DIY store, pick up a a piece of metal and, but now they you know, now they charge $80 for them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yes but something you can pay for like five bucks down the road from you know home depot
2: so do you still have these pieces or these pieces up the rainbow party both yeah groups?
0: but they're, they're in my closet which is, <laughs> <laughs> is it's um, really yeah. interesting
2: to look at like the the female one has um like a nipple piercing with a chain that goes to a couple or two boobs. yeah yeah. And then like the males have cock rings on them. Yeah. I guess they're nipple clamps. There you go. <laughs>
0: nipple, that's it. Yeah. No, I just I, uh, they they the, the form of them when they're together is so beautiful. And I mean I really love them. Um and I made a surplus and did a collaboration project with a painter in which we then nailed the penises and the boobs to the, the, the painting during like uh, an inclusive type of performance art. And it was really interesting watching people pick up the boob or the penis, make the joke, then nail it in. It was actually quite delightful watching people's reaction. And actually, I quite like that element of performance when you bring the public in and watch them feel that range of emotions. Um, I then also did the same like kind of performance-esque at a party where I wrote a sign that said the land, uh, forgive me, is it the land of the free home of the brave? Yes. Um, I did a hand-painted sign and again you had to pick up the boob or the penis and nail it into that. It was during, and there was the option of putting the Trump mask on as well, and um, uh, again in the rounds of the LGBT community conversation. And I, I managed to get, um, what's his name? Who's the the porn star that hangs around the strip? I've got a picture of him nailing one in, which was quite funny.
2: Uh, male, is it Ron? Male,
0: Jer- Ron Jeremy. Yes, <laughs> Ron, I've got a picture of Ron Jeremy nailing a penis into the sign, which is wonderful. Yeah.
1: What, um, and I know COVID is happening, but have you been able to do any of your artwork lately? Have you been able to show it
0: anywhere? Um, I've been lucky during COVID. I mean, uh, I, had, I had created a new business model before COVID. And then, so the whole of COVID I was allowed, uh, gave me the permission to illustrate everything. So I think I got through about 300 illustrations during that time um and created a new business um i've been lucky to show at tag gallery uh, in a couple of shows um i also hung my new business model outside a hotel in the city in west hollywood so yeah i've been pretty busy this year being able to get some work in some places and also clients have been buying work and that's been installed so i guess this time's been perfect i mean if if you are a clever artist, this is magical time. Mm -hmm. I mean, have you been making, apart from obviously making a baby and having a baby and doing all those things, have you managed to find more time or have you been restricted?
1: Um, I, you know, I haven't done performance um, because, uh, and I I could do it online, but um, I've taken this time to really go back to my roots a little bit and do some painting and some mixed media work. So I'm actually really enjoying that aspect Mm -hmm. of just, instead of trying to figure out how can I make and show pieces as much as possible in one year, I'm just taking the time to enjoy the creating process. And I've actually Mm -hmm. really thought that it's been helpful for me to not have that. I have to exhibit all the time, uh, stress on myself
0: yeah and we do and then you almost lose the magic because you're putting pressure onto yourself to perform literally which yeah. you know is 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 hard I mean yeah
2: is there a time that you decided that you were an artist like growing up did you always have this connection to doing art or is there a certain time that you were just kind of doing art the whole time, then you kind of woke up one day and was like, oh, I'm an, I am an artist.
0: It it was a kind of a funny route. Like my grandfather was a graphic designer and taught me to paint. And um, I had a piece published at eight years old in a, on the front of a magazine. Um, But I never thought I could draw, which is what I associated being an artist with, which is weird. Um, And I was always uh, insecure about my drawing abilities. So when I was about nine, I think I wanted to become an actress and a singer and a performer. Um, About 12, I realized I was really bad at it, all of it. (laughs) But what I really loved was the costumes. So I'd love getting on stage and making all the costumes. I'd mime a lot of the time because my singing is so bad. But I mean, I just like being on stage. I like that element of showbiz. And so then it was an evolution to become a fashion designer. And I love fashion. I think that's my first heartbeat. Um, But I think in some ways I'm more of a costume designer and like, or a boutique fashion designer. Like I'm just, I'm like a one-off artist, not a production line. And it took me a long way to get there. Excuse me, I have a frog. So yeah, so um, the art thing came because I was disillusioned with the fashion world, um, which is why I went back and did my master's because I was just... uh, I always said that if I became a millionaire, I would become an artist. I never became a millionaire uh, because, (laughs) because I haven't done that yet, but it's on the list at some point, but you know, I I was like, why why would you need a million dollars to go back to art school? You need to just go back to art school and do what you really wanna do. Um, So yeah, long-winded answer to that was it. I always knew I was, if I'm allowed to be a a little bit uh, big headed, um, I always knew I was extraordinary in the creative field. I just didn't know where it should be focused. um, Because I was maybe quite, um, I mean, in your bio, you talk about autism and, not autism, you talk about dyslexia, that's right. I think in some ways, uh, I think, I I have dyslexia too, um, but I also think I might be slightly autistic in some ways. I think there's different levels. And I have, uh, uh, I'm an introvert, extrovert. Um, My younger years was very much an introvert. Um, uh, Debilitating, I would say, because I was so emotional. So it took me many years to be really confident in who I was. So I could never have I could never bring that extraordinary t- talent through because I needed my personality to be able to come to be able to handle, like I said, the backlash with, that comes with being a creative or being in the public space. You know, it's a very vulnerable putting your work out in the world. And I need to not be able to break down and cry. I need to be indifferent to any outcome, whether it's a success or failure. Mm-hmm. So I always knew I ha- I was an artist, but didn't have the, the ability to be able to handle that. Okay. Have you gotten
1: um, backlash from the work that you've done with your um, uh, art practice? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I'm quite good at utilizing that and using it for my benefit. And often they say things that are, is what the people, they say the things that are uh, in line with what I'm trying to say anyway, which is the irony that they're coming in from a negative perspective. Mm-hmm. So
1: you've uh, learned how to use it for your own, uh, art, like for your own fuel to make your art even further. So yeah. Okay.
0: And I like even back on my masters, um, <clears throat> Sorry, frog again. I picked the wrong drink. I went for the coffee and not the hot lemon. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, at, back at university, I mean, I was 33. Um, so one of the oldest people back on my masters um, uh, We were in a kind of uh, a show and tell scenario where a couple of the other masters courses came in and I full on got slated. Uh, by some of the students they just we it just turned into an absolute ruckus and it was quite amusing because at this point I hadn't said anything it was just other artists so my whole work became a massive debate of whether it was art or not and the mere fact it was in conversation meant that it was art Mm -hmm. so that's how I concluded that conversation but I mean it's hard to hear when you know you have full-on um Eloquent, uh, incredible humans at some of the, uh, one of the best schools in the world, literally ripping at you. It's just like, wait. But it's. I mean, we we need those things if you're going to put your work out into the world and be proud of it.
2: What was the piece that they were debating, or like what did it look like?
0: Well, I did, um, I did a performance piece um, dressed as Red Riding Hood and I put out um, some playing cards in front of me and I asked the audience to pick up a playing card and on it was a secret. And then I put on the wolf mask that represented the secret. And then I gave the secret to the audience. Um, so, uh, so intimate secrets about those relationships that were in front of me. Um, and I I positioned myself in like a picnic scenario where I was sat on the floor, and everybody else was above me, which was even more vulnerable because if you know about power play, um, mm-hmm. if people are above you, um, it's a. And I find this interesting in a psychological point of view when I'm in uh, in. In an argument scenario, if you position yourself taller than someone else, um, you tend to elevate your position and your opinion a lot more. Mm. So by putting myself on the floor, I purposely made myself vulnerable, which then turned into this shit show of an argument.
2: Mm-hmm. But it
0: was it was it was good because I could handle it. I was 33, you know, it's a little having maturity, whereas being say doing fine art as a 21 year old i would have just probably burst into tears
2: yeah and i probably had a very hard time getting back into art
0: yeah yeah it's just very Which, different
2: oh go finish i was i'm sorry
0: no it's just very different like doing my uh, uh bachelor's in fashion i mean i i was a really naive kid you know i thought i was old, you know like you do when you're young you think oh you know you know everything and i'm just like i had no idea what the world was like so you know
2: in the early 20s that's yeah. the hard time because you want to be independent but you're nowhere close to being able to survive on your own without eating just top ramen and <laughs> peanut butter sandwiches basically
0: yeah and we're on a, 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 one of the worst courses in history. Like to do a fashion degree where I went, I mean, they killed us. I mean, it was unbearable. And just the political and vulnerability you put yourself through, it was horrible.
2: Mm-hmm. What's one of your favorite pieces that you've done to date?
0: Ooh, That's a difficult question. It's always the, like the last piece that you do, right? Is do you find that with uh, with say so a written piece of work that you've done? It's always like the last interview that you've done, or however you write. Catherine, do you say the same? Is it your last piece? I don't know.
1: I don't like a lot of my own work. I have. Uh, I'll do it, and I'll be like, "Well, I should have done this way better." But um, I do really like, and I think uh, I I like the pieces that I'm working on lately, like. Uh, the video piece where I'm pregnant and I have the um, milk dripping down in the bathtub—that's a piece that I'm like that. It, that I hit the nail on the tub because it, on the I hit the nail on the head. Yeah, <laughs> me—that was like so true to how I was feeling. I was being vulnerable. That I—that's my favorite piece because I think it was just so. So, what I have in my head, it came out to be exactly what I was feeling. But a lot of my, I think a lot of my performance artwork I'm self conscious about because I always think, well, I could have done this better versus a video piece where I can really go back and adjust it if I want to. Mm.
0: I mean, that's a wonderful thing about making. I mean, I love making video pieces because you, you know, that control aspect that you bring into it. Um, gosh, I, I would actually say, my pro, uh, it's a cross between my design stuff and my, and my fine artwork. So from a design aspect, there's a piece called Mad Worlds that's 2000 hours of illustration. Um, it's absolute bonkers and uh, one of the so it for those who don't know it's a mural scale wallpaper that repeats so you can buy it as a mural or you can buy it literally to go around the whole entire room um, it's 150 inches by 100 inches and not much of it repeats. It's literally complete original context from beginning to end, um, and it's about. It started during. Uh, it was preconceived during COVID, um, but obviously came into full like embodiment during the the quiet time and dealing, and understanding depression. What does that mean? The dark side of being alone, uh, life, death. So it's like, there's like all these skulls, there's like butterflies, beauty transformation. It's like, it's, if a piece was to see inside my brain, that would be what it looks like. And I've printed it black on black as one of the colorways. So it's like super, like uh, you don't even know it's there. So it's kind of a secret in some ways. Um, that's one of my favorite design pieces just by, I've never been able to, from a design practice to get everything out. And then I think from my fine art practice, um, these new masks that I'm making are pretty special. They're really, uh, I, I have a, I, I bought masks from all around the world and they're on my walls. And the Romanian masks in particular are quite gruesome um, a lot of them were made uh, obviously folklore, um, but a warnings to put them, you know, people will put them on outside their houses is a warning. So, uh, I mean, maybe that's saying something about me, but the last few ex lovers are just disgustingly grotesque. <laughs> They're fabulous. And the more yeah. ugly they are and the more destructive they are, the more I love them.
1: Which I think is interesting, because then it makes me wonder about, um, like, our American culture is, do you see a difference between your past lovers from the different places that you've lived? Like, is the American men that I'm assuming you're dating, maybe they're not American, but they're just, like, a little bit more grotesque than the, your previous lovers because of the American culture?
0: I think as you get older and the longer that you're single, the more, le- if you're lucky, the bigger lessons you've learned. And then you start noticing uh, similar patterns of behavior, not in the men, I'm talking about obviously yourself. And you're just like, so the grotesqueness is about me and those american men not necessarily about being american it's just like wow i mean i've had epiphanies like you know as as i'm evolving like if i and i'm so proud that i've learned these lessons and i guess you learn your boundaries in a relationship so no, it's got nothing to do whether they're Italian or whether they're this or that. I mean, that definitely adds to the flavor or the colorizations of the masks of what they're bringing in. But yeah, I think it's it's more to do with me in this time, in this place. They're pretty, pretty exciting. I and, I, and you don't have them up yet,
1: right? No. I was like, okay.
0: So that will they're be coming. Great. They're coming soon.
1: Okay, great.
0: <laughs> I think actually, um, Ryan from Tag Gallery is going to do an issue on me in uh, September for his new magazine. I think they'll probably launch in there. Okay, perfect. So yeah, we'll do some. I'll do some crazy, weird stuff. But they, they, they are magnificent. Like in a kind of like oh my god they're so horrible
1: well i'm excited to see them what when, when they come out we'll uh post them too so that our listeners yeah. can keep up with uh yeah. your new
0: work yeah but it's just it's just like and it goes back to your piece catherine um about you know Do you think that, you know, as a woman and our evolution with our bodies, that do you, are you most proud of that piece because you have completed uh, what you were designed to do, which is be a mom? Like, is there any feeling towards that in the piece?
1: I think so. I think uh, it's, there's two sides to it because I have always thought As a female artist, I've been very much aware that a lot of successful female artists have never had children and have never gotten married because I feel like they're dedicated to their practice. And so I've always been worried that if I became a mother, then I would lose some kind of value as a artist. And so there's um, this fear of be transforming into a mom but then as a woman being excited with the body changing too and being worried that like is my body not going to be able to do what it's supposed to do and but then it being able to do that was also a very exciting thing and it made me feel a lot like an animal almost like breastfeeding it made me feel very much like like a cow um (laughs) And so it made me, it made me almost realize like humans aren't that far from animals because because of how my body had changed. And that that was mm. something that I was never I had never thought about before.
0: Primal, animalistic. Yes, yeah, very yeah.
1: primal. So it was what? Samuel does not like that piece at all.
2: Oh really? what the belly piece
1: yeah the belly piece
2: no the piece that uh i don't like just because it looks so gross is the one where you have the stockings up and all the eggs and you're smashing the eggs
1: oh yeah well there's an element I mean, i don't know if your mat your new masks katie are are like this but there's i like this kind of very grotesque um visceral Mm -hmm. feeling to my new work because i think childbirth and your period and being a woman is very um like not gross but like very fluid and body and it just has this body element that um i'm enjoying right now
0: it goes back to um so like anger as an emotion is really important and we're told to suppress that from an uh, like don't get angry you know calm down calm down and it's like anger is a really important thing to kind of like really explore and if you do not allow yourself to go into those darker spaces you can't evolve as a human Um, In the dating world, they call it the nice guy syndrome. So what you have is, what gets described as a nice guy is a a human that has anger under all these complexities of masks. So when you start breaking that human down, um, they sometimes can be worse than the bad boys so a bad boy will tell you who they are from the from the get-go they were like I'm gonna do this to you that to you and I'm gonna walk away and that's wonderful because they're not trying to mask something up from you or hide something from you the nice guy you know all of a sudden stops talking to you and you're just like wait where did this come from you were buying me flowers last week so take that context and put that back into us being human and not being able to explore the more grotesque aspects of being a mum or uh, evolution of uh, periods and women, You you know, or don't talk about it. It just means that they're just, just frustration builds up, which is then the explosion of the anger. So I'm very much interested in exploring those darker things of oneself. And I think that's where I'm starting to feel happier because I'm allowing myself that space. And I think COVID too allows you a lot of time to reflect Mm -hmm. and to work through things. And I'm very grateful for this time because I think I've evolved and I'm going to maybe make better choices. along know. with the crazy explanation about exploring darker sides sorry. But I
1: loved everything you said you said it way better than I did like very poetically like no I want to explore the darker side the the side that we were told to not talk about. Yeah we younger.
0: Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and, it, and it's 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 fascinating and and there's so much beauty in it without having to harm a hair on anyone's head it's just I think that's that's where I'm feeling the passion for my life is living living in the dark side of the bright side
1: <laughs> I love that you your you know business name and everything is bright side but then you're making this artwork in the dark side that's uh,
0: I love that poetry in that well, we, we can't, again, we're taught all the wrong things. You can't find, you can't find happiness without really deconstructing who you are, what do you want? And it's taking in all those things and not dwelling in it, you know, it's not dwelling in the, 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 the debilitating, you know, I still get very emotional, like I'm just very an emotional person and it's not, um, uh, criticizing myself for that if I allow the time and space I'm then move through it um, and it's wonderful.
2: Going through all your artwork it's really fascinating and just getting the I love getting stories behind all the art pieces Um, and I think it's amazing just looking at all of your um, wallpaper and how detailed it is is uh, really something so if anyone has after they listen to this, make sure you definitely go to both websites because you have Welcome to the Bright Side and then you have uh, katiebrightside.com and you can really get a good idea of, uh, you know, what we've been talking about. There's two different sides of it. There's this really, because uh, you have a lot of like like fancy pictures or like fanciful pictures, I guess, um, with like the Disney characters. I was looking at that one with the heart. Yeah. Where- one is like a Disney character. So that's a really cool piece. I like that one a lot.
0: Thank you. If you actually look at some of the illustrations, they're not so uh uh Disney-like. Like oh, yeah. I've taken like Minnie and Mickey and turned them into Sid and Nancy. Um <laughs> kind of like is like uh some crazy um anti-Hollywood celebrity.
2: Mm-hmm and yeah I, I, I found it fascinating so thank you for being sitting with us and talking to us about it thank you
1: thank you for having so me <laughs> I'm a fan of all of your work um so I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing a little bit more behind
0: your work uh, it's very interesting And I'm so excited to work with you in the future. I feel like there is going to be some sort of collaboration in our fine art practices that they can definitely merge in some ways. Definitely.
1: I'm excited for that.
2: Yeah, you really should because you guys both like performance pieces. So yeah. There's some
1: some epic video
0: pieces in our future, I'm sure. I think so. I really think so. And it's, it's, it's your materiality too that I'm like, like, you know, that I've used in my work, but in a different context. It's just like, I wonder, I'm looking forward to having those conversations about how we can kind of, you know, mirror each other. So mm-hmm. thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Thank I think it might have been the 10th coffee that I had, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: okay. You're well caffeinated. Yes. Thank you both. If you are looking for our episodes, um, I just redid the uh, missartworld.com webpage so that you can find, um, if you're interested in listening, there's all the different links to SoundCloud, Apple Music, but then we also have a section where the videos on YouTube are posted so that if you visit missartworld.com, you can look for those as well and find anything that you're looking for. Um, Also on our Instagram page, um, I always post uh, what the next episode is going to be and when they are dropped, you'll get that posting too. So if you're interested in following us on Instagram, that is Miss Art World Podcast.
2: And again, if you are looking to follow Katie Brightside, just go to welcometothebrightside.com Or you can follow the other one, which is katiebrightside.com. And is there another place you'd like to send anyone? Katie?
0: Um, Send them to uh, Miss Art World. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks, guys.
2: Bye, everybody.
1: Bye. Bye.